Hello and welcome to episode 471 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. And I've just got to say, the prodigal son has returned. Yes, I have. How are you, Andrew Ferguson? No, I wasn't talking about you, mate. It was, um, oh. the, the news today is yeah. that the West Tigers... Yeah. Are chasing a new halfback, uh, brightly magnificent halfback by the name of Mitchell Pearce. They fucking no. Mm. Apparently, they've, according to the world's greatest rugby league source, mm-hmm. James Hooper. Oh wow, the blogger, the blogger. They've uh, they've tabled a two-year, one point five million dollar deal. Two years. How old is what is he? Thirty. Three, thirty-four. He's, he's got to be around thirty-four, thirty-five, I think. You know, I'm pretty good with fucking ages. Let's look this shit up. I reckon you, you. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing thirty-five. I'm gonna say, th- I'm gonna say thirty-four. He'll be thirty-four by the time it kicks in. Mitchell. He's, yeah, he's. Oh man, it's his birthday next week. He turns thirty-four next week. So I'm fucking really. I'm like kind of scary good at that shit, aren't I? Yeah. So. uh Mitchell Pierce. So he's going to be... Okay, so that means that this time next year, he'll be 35 and he'll have two years left to go, which will take him through to being the 37-year-old halfback. How many 37-year-old halfbacks in the whole history of the game can you ever think of? Because I can't... I don't think I can think of one. Oh, geez. I'd have to go back to like the 60s or 70s. I, was like, I think Billy Smith at the yeah. Dragons. And there was Brian Clay at the Dragons. I'm not sure if they were that old, though. Oh, but they were getting on. But, yeah, those blokes were around for a long time. Yeah, because, like, the, the modern-day ones, they they were kind of gone by 37. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they've already, they've already a, become assistant coaches by then. Yeah, <laughs> they've been commentating for fucking six years. Exactly. Um, you have to be like, you either have to, you've got to kind of either got to have really good genetics to be a player that can play that long, or be like a a really supernatural gifted athlete with nothing extra, like say a Paul Gallon. So that means, well, Mitchell Pierce ticks both boxes, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking golden move. You know, um, I, I thought that, you know how Penrith doesn't have a fucking hooker at the moment, apparently. Yeah. And I wondered if you could maybe go to Mitchell Pierce and say, Mitchell, if you come back right now and, and you committed to playing hooker and only hooker, what do you think? It, it might have been all right as a flyer, but I'm talking like we desperately need a hooker and we know this guy and I haven't watched him play in Suplex, so I don't know what condition he's in. But I wouldn't want to commit to him two year, for two years a year from now. <laughs> I I don't think there's a justified reason to have Mitchell Pearce back in the NRL. Okay. Um, and it's not it's not even entirely to do with his skill level. It's mm-hmm. just his age. Yeah, he's getting on now. Eh? Yeah. And also, when he left, the game was not um, 
as strong defensively as it is now. Like, uh, defending teams are rushing halfbacks a lot and smashing them a lot harder now. Um, I don't know. Some of that age, and I know he's been able to go a long career and not really had, you know, much issues when it comes to injuries and stuff like that mm-hmm. for the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. But when you're in your mid-30s, you you can't take those risks anymore. Yeah. And what the Tigers need is a lot more than one player. Yeah, and a player who was, like, he was always limited. And <laughs> well, what the fuck are the West Tigers doing, man? Because that's what Sheens does. Everything he does, every single thing he does is Band-Aids. Mm. Yeah. So he thinks the best way to solve a problem of having a bad halfback is to get another bad halfback. You know, maybe two bad halfbacks makes one decent halfback. No, it doesn't work that way. It's Moneyball. It's Moneyball. <laughs> I um, I produced a, a, a graph on Twitter during the week. I like it when you do graphs because you're an actual statistician and a rugby league historian. So can you please tell me about your graph? Well, if you check it out on Twitter, it's the last – you go into the media, you'll see it on there. It's the last picture on there. I've broken it down through his entire NRL career, and it's color-coded for each club he coached. So at Penrith – and we, I'm going to be brutally honest here, okay? Because a lot of people have got very high thoughts, especially in the media, of Tim Sheens. I almost regard him as a super coach. At Penrith, right, he took over that. He started there as a, cap, as a captain coach. Um, not sure. I have a feeling – I don't know if it was captain coach. I know we captained the club. He was very young when he started as a yeah, coach. Yeah, it's got to be close, huh? And they had not played finals football when he took, took on the coaching reins there. But yeah. not too dissimilar to when Ivan Cleary turned up at Penrith. Unbelievable junior talent coming through, just starting to make their first grade debuts. So yeah. you could see that it was a team going somewhere. But his whole time there, they were basically plateaued. They didn't get worse, but they didn't get hugely better. They just kind of got a little bit better and just stayed there. Yeah. It wasn't until Phil Gould turned up, things fucking shot off. But he then went from Penrith to Canberra, and they had a ready made premiership winning team when he got there. An all-time yeah. great team. Well, and like, and not just, not just when he got there, like his whole time there. Like you and me, I reckon we could, we could really quickly rattle off forty names of players that he had at his time there that are like don't need any introduction. Exactly, unbelievable squad he had to work with there, and so of course his career skyrockets there. They go great. Mm-hmm. Everything since then has been downhill. So after Canberra, uh, he went to the Cowboys. Yeah. Very rapid decline there. It's the first club he got sacked from. Yeah, and the thing about that Cowboys one is when the Cowboys got him, it was like, oh, they got Tim Sheens. This is, you know, this is a real deal. And it was super disappointing. Yeah. And it was like, oh, what's going on here? To the point where when he left them, it was like, oh, he's done. Mm, Very much so. Um and the other thing that was about them is that last year and a half there, they actually had some decent young talent coming through, but they weren't getting much game time because he was persisting with a lot of players he'd brought to the club from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So they just kept languishing and lose, leaking juniors to other clubs, mostly to the Broncos and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Um, so then he had a year and a half off and then got picked up by the Tigers. And the Tigers were, they plateaued those first year and a half there. Yeah. And then a bit of a spike up through 2005, obviously. Yep. Massive plateau with a bit of a downward slide there. And then two years of the finals, it actually doesn't go hugely up as a spike. Mm-hmm. Slightly curves up and then plateaus again. And that's where it's been. His entire existence at the West Tigers up till now, 252 games, 122 wins, 130 losses, points difference, plus 72 points. That's After 250 games. Yeah, that's, that's all he's crazy. Managed, he's basically parity. That's basically what he's done in 250 games there. Yeah. Yeah, it's impressive. It's kind of yeah. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's he's gone and done what Tim Sheens always does and spends a lot of money on a lot of known players. Mm. So it sounds like he's built a good side, and yet they're struggling. That's You know what? And I think it's the epitome of that is David Klemmer. Because on paper, you get David Klemmer and you're like, oh, that's pretty good, you know? But you had to have watched David Klemmer play for the last couple of years to know that you're not getting a plus in your team. You're just getting a guy that can play this spot, you know? Um, and, and, yeah, it's – like I'm looking at this West Tigers team as they're playing right now, and it's shocking especially when you consider that he come in as a consultant and said the best person in the world to coach his team is me. <laughs> and he takes over and they've gone absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Insanely poor. And that's yeah. the thing. You look at the team on paper, they're not a team that should be as bad as they are. I'm not saying they should be a lot better, mm. but they should have had at least one win by now because they've had, they haven't had a hard draw. No, no, they haven't. And they've had two games at Leichhardt to start the season against very beatable teams. And yeah, and, and they've, like, I mean, that's it. That was the best part of their drawers to, in terms of home and away was those two games at Leichhardt because now they're basically on the road because, you know, they've got 54 um, home stadiums. Yeah. So it, it's... It's just such a disaster. And the other thing is, you look at their side and it doesn't look like they're building anything either. They just look like a bunch of players that have been chucked together because that's what they are. But it it even looks like they didn't have an off-season. Yeah, they're clunky in every way. Mm. There's no doubt about it. Um, They actually look like they've got worse from last year, which is an achievement given that they they have legitimately improved the squad yet somehow got worse. Yeah, when you you spend as much money as they have on bringing that ex, all of those players in, and you, at, at the very least, they're as bad. You know, mm. that's a disaster. Like they they're capped out. <laughs> so, Mitchell Pierce, <sighs> and maybe he'll come back and he'll play State of Origin. Maybe he can. What if probably, he comes? Probably back? will. Doesn't mean he deserves it. <laughs> But what if he comes back, right, and he does what uh, Andrew Johns did, but he actually plays like Andrew Johns did in those last couple of Origin games that he played? Wouldn't that be weird? He'd only do it at Origin level, though. He wouldn't be doing it in black and all fucking gold. Yeah, true, true. Um, so I, the other word was there was talk that Luke Brooks might be going to Wig, 
No leads. That'd be a bad signing for Leeds. <laughs> Leeds would be better off to sign Mitchell Pearce. Probably. Although I've got to say, like if he's if he gets the ball and he just runs it, he's going to go through those super leg defences anyway. But man, I just can't believe how done Luke Brooks is. It, it's kind of shocking to see, especially after all this time and all this like, oh, he's, you know, he's we're so committed to him and blah blah blah. It's like. I don't understand committing to a player that just gives you nothing back for so long. It's nuts. Mm. It's nuts. And this is the crazy thing is they're also persisting with the notion that he's the guy they build the team around. Mm. And yet he can't direct any of them to do anything. What sort of aimless bullshit is this? Well, there's just so many times you're watching play or you're watching them play and you're like, where the fuck is Luke Brooks? Yeah. Why is Adam Dewey the one that has to talk to everyone? Like, Adam Dewey was a fullback. He was a fill-in fullback for South. I think Mm. Adam Dewey's got worse this year, too. And I'm not even blaming him because it's like the impossible role. Well, that's the thing. And that's the problem with him is he's he's having to be the general in the middle of the field while standing at the back of the field. (laughs) It's crazy. It's nuts. It's like asking Billy Slater to be both fullback and halfback. No one can do that shit. Yeah. doesn't matter yeah. how good they are. You can't do it. You've got to be in the line. You've got to be up there in the middle of the play. You can't be sitting 30 metres behind play trying to tell everyone how to run a play. It's so backwards and stupid. But, hey, you know, it's an era of 2005 about the club. You know, we're going to bring back attacking footy and stuff. Yeah, but that's going great. By the way, can someone tell David Norfoluma that he's not a fucking spectator? Like... <laughs> He goes and plays, like, how many games did he play for the Storm? At most eight or something like that. And then he comes back. He's talking about, oh, it was nice to get a taste of that. He's done nothing since he come back. He's just proven that he's just a bog average. In fact, not even bog average. He's a below average winger in the NRL. Like, no one has to worry about David Norfoluma ever. He's so bad that the coach who is known for moving deck chairs around but never sacking anyone, has dropped him out of the first grade side. He's dropped him finally. Yeah, he dropped him last week. He didn't play. Seriously, he's and so... And while, while he was dropped out of reserve grade, the Tigers then went and released Ken Mormolo from the last year of his contract. <laughs> <laughs> David Norfoluma, his career arc is doing very little, saying, well, I, I really wanted to play some finals football, finally getting a chance at the Storm, and people talked up what he did at the Storm. It's like, shut the fuck up. Then he um, comes back and, and immediately gets dropped from this West Tigers team. Like, yeah. well done, David. You yeah. really are that superstar you thought you were. Yeah, he's bad. Yeah. Has always been bad. He's just he's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now, another thing that was coming up, it sounds like a stats-heavy show, but mm. last week... But the thing is, Andrew, you're a statistician. And I, a I do dabble. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think last week, the week before, there was a, a news report that came out about poor old Parramatta having to play three teams in a row that have come off a bye. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I've been uh, I've been playing a, the world's tiniest violin for their hard draw. Because well, I don't know where that whinge come from. But when I started seeing it, I was like, what's wrong with their draw, you know? It, What's going it came, on? It came from the media. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, in their defense, 
it wasn't Parramatta who complained. It was the media who were making the big song and dance about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the first time a team has played a few teams in a row coming off a bye. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I've got a um, got a good one here, like okay. the, the most extreme version of okay. this. Um, let me find it here. It was in 1999. So we're not going back to the fucking ancient history. Yeah. Right. So, round 16, 1999. Um, so the week after Balmain came off the bike, they played against Penrith. Mm-hmm. Penrith then played, and this is all in a row. Teams coming off a bye: Balmain, Brisbane, South, the Dragons, Newcastle, the Roosters, Manly, Parramatta, the Bulldogs, Canberra, and then Cronulla. Holy shit! Yep. That's every, insane. Every game from round 16 to round 26 was wow. against teams coming off the bye. And you know what? Mm. I went and tried to look for news articles mm-hmm. where people were crying poor about poor old Penrith playing all these teams coming off the bye. I couldn't find any. You know why? Because I went and done further research and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all if you take on someone after the bye. Since 1908, teams coming off the bye have had a record of 453 wins, 11 draws, and 403 losses. So that means a 52.25% chance of winning. Far when, away, you're, when you're playing the team coming off a bye, it's a 46.48% chance of winning. It's, That's interesting. It's not enough. It's not like it's 65 to 25 or 35 or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It's so close. It's 6% difference. Yeah. Eh? Like, what's the point of all this fucking song and dance? It means nothing. Well, especially early in the year, like if, like I think of um, who it was Manly, I think it was who had the buy in round two, mm-hmm. and it like for that I I can think of nothing worse than being like, all right, season starts and now we're not playing the second week, and and so that sort of disruption I would feel like is kind of you'd rather have that than the other way around where like Penrith taking on teams later in the season. Well, yeah. It's, oh, I don't know. It, it's always annoying whenever you see all this beat up about something. Mm-hmm. And I'll go and spend an hour doing the research to find out that nothing. Yeah. It's it's kind of strange. I uh, And you see it a lot, you know. I mean, yeah. it, it look, it. I don't think, I wouldn't put, anything that Parramatta has done or hasn't done down to their opponent having a buy. And I think you saw that in that Panthers game, you know. It's like that they beat the Panthers in that game and it had nothing to do with the buy. No, it didn't. The, it's such a... Uh, we had this a few years ago and they were talking about, you know, Day's turnaround and how much of an impact that had. And I went mm. and did the research on that as well. And it turned out that Day's turnaround, especially the short Day's turnaround, was actually a benefit, a slight one. Yeah. Kind of like this one here. And not and not even a hindrance. Yeah, yeah. Like nearly every other, nearly every team had a positive win record when it comes to having a short turnaround. And yet some coaches out there, Ricky Stewart, most common one, we're saying, well, it's not fair. We only had a five-day turnaround. Going, you had like a 52% win record with a five-day turnaround. What are you whinging about? You do better than that. Well, you be asking for more of them. Yeah, exactly. The day Ricky Stewart stops whinging, though, will be a sad day. It will be. It will be. Yeah. 
Um, and the, the last stats, you know, I'll get them all out of the way. It was an article that came out on the NRL website um, yesterday talking about how this is the closest season we've ever had. Yeah, I saw this one, hey. If you put a heap of really fucking tight parameters around it yeah. um, and, you know, you really, really uh, manipulate the entire argument to suit the argument you're trying to sell, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a great season um, if you don't include facts. Yeah, it. I, I, you know what? The thing is, and let me explain this to you, Andrew. <laughs> please, please do. It, it's from 1908, but you have to disregard, I don't know, 80% of the seasons rugby league has ever played in Australia. Yeah. And if you do that, then it's the closest season ever. Well, you know, it's, it's not 2023's fault that 1908 only had four games per round. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, take it up with nineteen oh eight. Idiots. <laughs> um it's my fault. It's their fault. Exactly. You go and fucking speak to JJ Giltnan. <laughs> so the argument was seventy eight percent of games so far this season after four rounds had a margin decided by twelve points or less. All right. So you think, okay. If that's the argument, fine. I started checking the first 32 games of every season because there's only been 32 games played this year. Which isn't that many. No. Yeah. But they put the strict parameter on there of the most number of games with the tight margin inside the first four rounds. I'm going, okay, some, some boring facts for everyone. We only had four games per round from 1908 to 1946. From 47 to 66, it was five games around. From 67 to 81, six games around. From 82 to 87, it was seven games around. This is this is now the range we've been working because seven games around times four rounds, that's 28 games. So we're now in the range where we can get 25 games because that's mm-hmm. how many it is, 25 out of 32. So from 1982 onwards, we can actually do that comparison and, and actually check it. Yeah. Yet they're saying from 1908. So I, I you know, replied back to the uh, the author of the article and just said, it's kind of like saying that the 2022 West Tigers were the worst West Tigers team ever since 1908. Mm-hmm. They went around in 1908. Yeah. But, I mean, you might as well just put any year you want on there. This, yeah. is, the, yeah. this is the best defensive season since 1641. <laughs> but, you know... What what are we doing? Yeah. What's what's the point of putting that year on there? Yeah, the the whole point of saying since is because you're comparing like for like. Yeah. Mm. So when I said so when I started comparing it by thirty the first thirty two games of the year, I found that nineteen thirteen and nineteen fourteen, both remarkably closer. Mm-hmm. Nineteen twenty five and nineteen seventy five were probably the two best defensive seasons we'll ever see and they'll never be beaten. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, ignore those. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to look at because there, there wasn't twenty five games out of the first four rounds played there. Yeah, there's only sixteen games in nineteen twenty five. So you know, how can they get twenty five, <laughs> twenty five close games out of sixteen played? I I didn't I didn't understand I I never understand a lot of those things and I hate it when people go to like oh in the NRL era because the the NRL era it's not really an era in the game's history it's 
you kind of have the different eras. Like I would say that we're in the 10 meter era. I think you can, you can line up everything for the 10 meter era. Um, well, that, but that then is... when it comes to the number of, of games played every round, you have to go by like for like, if you're going to do that. And that means you're saying like, what was it? 1988. Yeah. Um, That's when we started having eight games per round. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh man. Even as I know, as I said to you before, like if it's, if you're saying it's the best effective season in the last 40 years, you go, that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't need to stay in 115 years. That's just Mm -hmm. inviting nerds who've got nothing better to do than Mm -hmm. to pick your argument apart and prove Mm -hmm. it wrong. Fuel to go and do that. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right too about eras. It has to be based on either rules, well, largely on rules, or scoring systems. Yeah. So I, I use, as you do, the 10-meter rule is one era. Yeah. And the others are th- the three-point tries and the four-point tries eras. And then you, I guess the other one that you could put in there is to the uh, limited tackle era. Yes. It's probably the other Abs- huge one. Absolutely. Yeah. When you've got massive rule changes that changes the way teams think and play the game, yeah, that's a new era. You know, so you always get these uh, people who aren't au fait with doing, using stats. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll always use an argument to try and prove a modern stat right, saying that, oh, yeah, but you need to make tries in the past worth four points. And go, well, no, you don't, because you're changing the rules now, mm. which we can't do. We can only go by the facts that were there. Mm. And if you change the rules to suit an argument today, you change the way the game would have been played. If tries were worth four points, and we had a 10-meter rule and limited tackles in 1908, mm. every result would have been completely different. Entirely yeah. different. And a good example of that is the this ridiculous two-point field goal from outside the 40 rule. Like, it, that has changed the way that teams are playing the game because they get an extra point for kicking a field goal from outside the 40. Yeah. Um, and that's a pretty minor points change rule, you know. So that, that's a good way to line it up in, in terms of that. And, yeah, it would have just changed how everyone was playing the game, what they were doing, their tactics, because the points would be different. So, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah, I mean, we even saw it during the 70s and early 80s where um, a lot of fans were losing interest in the game because teams would just be having cracks at field goals during the mm-hmm. game because if you can land a field goal, it's worth two points instead of, you know, wasting tackles trying to score a try that's only worth one point more. Why not just mm-hmm. go for field goals all the time? Mm-hmm. People got sick of that, so they put the field goal value down to one. And less than a decade later, to try and promote try scoring, move tries up to four points instead of three points. Yeah. <clears throat> we saw point scoring automatically change in that whole period, especially in 80, 83 onwards when the mm-hmm. try scoring value went up. And two or a year or two after the 10-meter rule came in, point scoring again went through the roof. And just kept spiking upwards. So every little rule change, it has a flow-on effect. It takes one year, really, mm-hmm. for teams to adapt. And then the following year, you see the change take place. It happens the whole way through. Yeah. It's ridiculous how, how much those changes happen. So, yeah, it's, you've got to go on the facts you've got and compare 
you know, scores and stuff with what was done in the past. You can't go changing rules to suit an argument because that's stupid. Yeah. And, and it, like, you know, when you break it down with stats and, you know, for the most part, stats don't lie. And, you know, it, it was a strange one, but there's a lot of strange stuff written about the game these days. There's a lot of times that I'll see, and look, I've written some strange stuff myself in the past. It's like we've all done it. But um, I'll see things written and I'll be like, oh, I don't know about that. Like a, a really good one is when you see people saying, and I saw a, a tweet and it was from a Kiwi. I think it was a, a Kiwi radio person and they were saying who's the best centers in the game. And they listed all these great centers. And oh, it might have been the, the best point scoring center or something like that. I don't think it was the best. Oh, it was the best attacking center. That's what it was. And they listed all these players and they did a really good job, actually. They they listed uh, Daly Messenger in there. They listed Dave Brown in there and Greg Inglis. I think Mal Meninga was in there and stuff. And it's just like on the statistics alone, it's pretty hard to go past Dave Brown, you know. Um, Absolutely. And like... Just looking at the list, I was like, I, I can't make an argument better than Dave Brown. <laughs> um, but it was interesting to see people reading that and then putting their two cents in. Like I saw somebody say Jamie Lyon. I wanted to smack them. Jamie um, Lyon? Jamie Lyon. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've got two or, more, two or three immortals there who were centers. Yeah. Shitting all over Jamie Lyon. No offense, Jamie Lyon, but you know. You're not in the Daily Messenger, Dave Brown, say, Mick Cronin, yeah. um, <laughs> Mal Meninga sort of range. I don't know that Mick Cronin was on that list from memory. But, yeah, it was it was interesting. But when you see stuff like that, and I understand not everyone's like, you know, geeking out on this shit. You know, there's a lot of people probably never heard of Dave Brown. But... You know, when you see it and you're like, oh, that's a pretty straightforward answer, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, that's that's a crazy one, that one. Yeah. And that's what I felt about this article. When it, when it, when I saw the headline, I was like, that doesn't seem right, you know. <laughs> and then you had pointed out that it wasn't right. And I was like, that seems right. And then everything after that was just fucking white noise that didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty typical. Yeah, very typical. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, something else I saw, too, which came from um, former journalist Steve Mascord. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to see the context of it, but he was talking about the cost of tickets in the UK to watch a second division game. Mm-hmm. He said he paid the equivalent of $45 Australian to go see a second division game in England. Really? Wow. Um, that shit's got to change. Yeah. Why would he do that? Well, it's more, if, if that's legit what they're charging people, it's no wonder they're getting crowds of 800 people to those games. Why are they charging so much? Yeah. Well, I've, like, I mean, the we've talked about the ticket prices for Super League, which are outrageous as well. But, yeah, that's a lot for a lower division game. Yeah. You, I mean, how many... I reckon you could almost... If you had a standalone lower division game, like what what would you pay to go and see a New South Wales Cup game? I don't know what the ticket prices are for New South Wales Cup. 
Because the only games I've been to, I've either been at the NRL game and the game, there's a New South Wales Cup game on, or I've walked in as a commentator with my media pass. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm much the same. The only times I've been to New South Wales Cup games was when I was uh, doing match reports for them. I was allowed to go in for free because I had a media pass. You know, know, it's like doing the media pass and you go in and they say, oh, Welcome to the game, sir. You go and you have some of the hors d'oeuvres that are, you know, back there. So, you know, they, they serve your lunch, stuff like that. That's all yeah. um, just, uh, Can I just say, we have very large genitals. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your driver takes you to the game. Um, Would you like your grapes peeled, sir? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's very much a lot of that stuff. So I don't know yeah. what a New South Wales Cup game is for a ticket. But what would you like for a New South Wales Cup game? Anything over twenty bucks, I'd be, I'd be like, fuck that shit. Yeah, I think it's got to be around ten bucks. Yeah, I would think so. Um, and I think if they did make them around ten bucks, even for second division games. Yeah, but imagine if you could you could pay five ten five or ten pounds maximum. Mm. Ten pounds is probably a bit high. Let's go with five pounds over in England to go mm-hmm. to a second division game and mm. League One games. You'd probably find it wouldn't take long before you start drawing bigger crowds, and you'd end up making more money than what you currently do with the ticket prices through the roof as they are. You'd think so. I know they've got a different like uh, financial model over there, but. It's, yeah, uh, that's it's very a shit strange. one where yeah. there's not much money involved because they're charging people far too much money. Yeah. It's almost oh, like they've got this impression that people in England have got lots and lots of money. And um, the people who go to footy games in England aren't fucking millionaires. Exactly. They're like people who go and watch sports nearly everywhere else in the world. They're lower to middle income people. So, you know... Fucking look after them. You, you're taking our money all the time. How's about you try and make shit a bit more affordable for us so we can enjoy it a bit more? Otherwise, we'll just sit down and watch it on TV and you can have empty fucking stadiums. I, I mean, they're, think or, about it. they're already cutting back over there, right? Cutting back on soap, dental hygiene products, <laughs> spices. Chewy, <laughs> chewy vegetables. Yeah. Like, come on, give them a break. Yeah, look after them. Their teeth are completely ruined, so they've got to drink their peas. <laughs> Come on. Help them out a bit. Oh, sorry. I, I just, I've got a thing against mushy peas. I fucking hate them. Dear. Yeah. I like them. I know, I know. Well, that's the pom in you. How dare you? <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, oh. Oh, you opened that door. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, what else has been going on? Well, I saw uh, there was a lot of hysteria over um, Suwali, who signed a bit of a contract. He'd signed a one-year contract extension with the Roosters and then immediately signed, I think it was like a three-year deal for, it must be, I didn't see exactly what it was per season, but it's got to be something like $1.6 or $1.8 million a year to sign for the Australian Rugby Union. And like to me, it was kind of a meh sort of thing. Like if he wants to waste a couple of years of his life playing Rugby Union, fair 
fair enough. You know, especially if they're going to pay that much. I'd love yeah. to know where they're getting the money from because they don't have fucking money. But um, I saw a, a little bit of people trying to force a meltdown over it, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, and I, I also saw Trent Robinson saying that um, – him signing to go and play rugby union in a couple of years' time shouldn't rule him out of playing State of Origin, which I thought was fucking ridiculous and sort of showed that Trent Robinson, like every other coach, is just about self-interest of him and his club because, you know, State of Origin should be a reward for people committed to rugby league. Um, and so, yeah, Suwali can fuck off as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's... It's a sign of where rugby union is at, where they are willing to throw that much money at a winger. Um, I, it's it's so stupid. All this money, think of all, in the last 15, 20 years, the amount of money they've thrown at rugby league players and how much of that could have actually just been spent on their own junior talent and trying to make them better, yeah. which would have been more beneficial for rugby union in this country. Because all signing Suwali on $1.6 million does is acts as a deterrent for other potential rugby union players coming through the ranks and go, well, the best way for me to make money in this game is to go and play rugby league. Yeah. And then hope I get noticed and then I can come back that way. Because if I stay in the junior ranks here, all the rugby league players are going to be coming along and taking my spot and they'll get paid more than me. All you're doing is turning away your junior talent. It's the same model that rugby rugby league in England had done for far too long. Mm-hmm. They're trying to change it now, thankfully, but it's still, they've got a long way to go. And theirs was not so much with rugby union, but just players from Australia and New Zealand, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is, this is nuts. And yeah, I'm, I mean, it's not going to hurt rugby league if he goes. He's, no, no. It, you know. Yeah, and like... You know, if they've, if they've, I couldn't name a, a fucking rugby union player in Australia, right? And if, if I can just name one of them and it's Suwali, it, it, like, what's that going to do? Like, if, if a bunch of people want to turn up and fucking eat cheese, stinky cheese, and drink wine while they say, oh, look at this rugby league player, like, good luck to them. Um, you know, rugby league is, is going to just keep going forward and, Rugby union is going to keep going backwards because, as you say, they're just undermining their own their own system. And um, I, the money is out. Like, if I was a rugby union player, I would be fucking outraged that this guy can. I mean, first of all, they're saying he can finish the NRL season at the end of his Roosters contract and walk straight into their their test team which is fucking outrageous. <laughs> and then there, he's going to be the highest paid player in the history of Australian rugby union, which is fucking outrageous. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like, keep going, keep, spe- keep doing it. They're, and like, they also like, they're saying, oh, they might do the same thing for Cam Murray and, and Penasini's another player who I don't understand the hype about Penasini. I think he's a solid first grader, but he's not like some superstar or anything. And uh, it's just, yeah, they keep doing They They did it before and it fucking ruined them. Just keep doing it. I'm, I'm all for it. Good luck, Rugby Union. Keep minimising yourself in Australia. It's fantastic. Yeah, I... 
I'd be surprised if Murray goes. Yeah, I don't think Murray will go unless no. he gets to the point. And look, he's starting to get a bit banged up playing rugby league for the, and it's because of the way he plays. But I suppose you know, if he went to Union too, if, he'd probably move into the to the centres, kind of yeah. like what Sonny Bill did. Yeah, so, he'd, be, he'd be a back. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I just thought it was just craziness by rugby union, just absolute craziness. And the other thing is too, it's funny seeing. And I think that a lot of the debate has been very isolated and it's people trying to generate a debate that's not there. There's a lot of stuff of like, oh, rugby league is whinging now because we're getting one of our own back. And it's like, and we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast before, all of these rugby league players, they did everything as a youngster. Like they were the best fucking swimmers. They were the best long distance runners. They were the best sprinters. They were the best at fucking all the track and field shit. Like, they did everything. So while he's played rugby league since he was a little boy, you know, he played Shh. rugby league. No, the narrative is he was a rugby union junior. I don't, know. but Don't bring facts to the story. But the way they – this is the way rugby union does it, right? They get a dude that was playing rugby league and he's, they some private school – gets him on a scholarship because they like to have good rugby union teams. And then they say, oh, he's a rugby union junior. It's like, no, this dude's been playing rugby league since he was a little boy. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? But they, they just say he's a rugby union junior. And as I said, they play fucking everything. All of them play everything. Like, you reckon Suwali wasn't the first pick to play fucking cricket? <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they're good at all of the sports. It's just how it works. I reckon he would have batted number four. Probably. What if he was? What if he was only good as a fast bowler? He was he probably a did. Dude. He probably did both. He probably did everything. <laughs> he'd come in, he'd bowl to himself, and then keep. Yeah. <laughs> he but, was that fast. He could beat the ball to the other end of the pitch. It's just really funny when you say like, oh, they used to say it about like uh, Darren Lockyer used to, he played AFL when he was a junior. It's like, yeah, yeah. he did fucking everything. He was yeah. Darren fucking Lockyer. <laughs> he's probably good at chess. <laughs> hey, he's probably still playing AFL. <laughs> it's, it's just so weird. But these, these fucking, and I, my guess is it's fucking journalists that were never good at sport anyway. So... Apart from Paul Kent, that but he, he's four minutes in the in first grade were fucking good four minutes. It's four minutes than Buzz ever played. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's five minutes more than James Hooper ever played. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, that bloke just gets worse every year. He does. He does. <sighs> he's not a good blogger. No, he's a very poor one. Um now the other other news coming out today too was um the NRL Grand Final is going to be opening up for bidders, I think, for next year. And yeah. Melbourne has come up as a potential venue because mm-hmm. the Melbourne is it Melbourne City Council or the Victorian government have basically come out and said, well, you know, we've got an extra, you know, 30,000-odd seats that could create an extra, you know, $4 million in revenue or some weird thing. I don't know what what numbers they've done. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
yeah, they probably got the people who does the AFL juniors tallies to to figure that one out. <laughs> that was um, funny. Did you see that, by the way? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was funny. That was some more of those stupid fucking stats. But anyway, yeah, it'd be something like, "Oh, there's 44 million children in Australia playing AFL." Going, hang on, <laughs> I don't think that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's something like that, and um. Obviously, there's a few people going, well, we can't take the grand final to Melbourne and going, we can take the grand final to anyone who's going to pay us a fuck ton of money for it. Why yeah, the, the, the seal was broken on that when they played that the bubble grand final up in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and and it, the game didn't die. It, it didn't even miss a beat. Nah. Like, it was just, you know, nobody, I don't, I don't, because Penrith won that one, right? Mm. And then Penrith won last year, obviously. And I, I didn't see too many people saying, oh, wasn't it so much better that Penrith won it while they're in Sydney? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know. I reckon fun- the – how many Panthers fans do you reckon were after the first grand final win in, in the bubble? They sat down after watching that premiership after all those years waiting for it and just went, I don't know. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like, you know, I don't, you know I'm, is there something else on just change the channel. I, I, I can't. Not at Lang Park. I can't watch that. <laughs> they didn't give a fuck. They won the grand final. That's what was important. They could have played that in a in a football ground at Humula. They wouldn't have cared where it was. Play in the middle of the fucking Nullarbor for all I cared, as long as we got the trophy at the end of the day. Absolutely. Played it in Wales. Y- yeah. Well, you know. Take it. I'll take it. <laughs> you would, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a stupid thing. It's people whinging about stuff. The only thing that's going to hurt it is PVL and all that fucking grandstanding bullshit he did shitting on Melbourne all the time for no reason because he thought he was a comedian or something. Mm. Um, you're not. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, that was that was all stupid. But um, yeah, they'd be stupid to turn down an offer purely on, you know, well, we want it to be played in rugby league currently, and yeah, fucking play it wherever you want. Especially when the the original deal was on the back of the New South Wales government was going to upgrade stadiums for NRL clubs, and and the one that they basically haven't done, the big one is going to be at Penrith, which looks like that's going to get spiked because we got a new government in. And uh, but in saying that, and people think, oh, league frigs picking sides. Hey, the previous fucking government said we're going to build a stadium. We're going to build a stadium. We're here, look, photo op, and nothing got built. And if you listen to the podcast, and we've done a couple of podcasts on what would we want out of Penrith's new stadium. In all of the podcasts we talked about Penrith Stadium, I said nothing's getting built until they start fucking turning dirt, and they never even got close to turning dirt. No. Um, this, government, this newly elected government's come out and said something along the lines of, you know, it's, it wouldn't be right at the moment to come out and start building stadiums when we've got a lot of debt to deal with and other things that'd be worked in. And I go, yeah, like I I don't know, but if, if there is a lot of debt then yeah, go sort that shit out. A football stadium's really not that important in the long run. But it looked like the three grounds that they were focusing on that they I think were due to get upgrades were like and to get government funding for it were Penrith, Shark Park and Leichhardt Oval. Now Penrith and Shark Park have already had some upgrades paid for. So they were going to be Penrith second on the list and Shark Park third on the list because Shark Park is basically privately owned. It's owned by the club. So they can't be fully government funded for some reason. 
Um, but Leichhardt Oval had been missing out on upgrades for a long time because they had a uh, a Greens member sitting in that seat there and they were opposed to doing anything uh, to upgrade the stadium for a long, long time, for as long as I can recall. And I'm pretty sure that Greens member may have lost that seat to Labor or they might be very close to losing it, oh, yeah. um, which was opening up the door for possibly getting some upgrades to Leichhardt Oval. But the state government... You know, um, Chris Means has come out and basically said, yeah, let's just put that on the back burner for a while. Um, so all these stadium upgrades and these suburban grounds are going to be on the back burner for a little bit. I don't know how much longer for. I've not really looked into it. And, yeah, I'm not picking sides. That's just basically the very small amount of stuff I heard uh, on the news this, uh, this afternoon. Yeah, uh, like all politicians are the same. They're all they're all the same, all the sides. And people get upset when I say that on Twitter. It's like I don't give a fuck if you're upset. They're all the same. And I, I think that the state Penrith will start getting chirpiness about a new stadium when the next election is getting close. And you'll see the same fucking people at right now saying, "Oh, no stadiums." Will be like, "You want a new stadium? Vote for us." I think politically, for some of these um, parties, Labor and Liberal, they saw how much. Um, hatred and animosity that was in the talkback radio sphere anyway about that new Sydney football stadium that's built. What'd you look down a perfectly good stadium for to build another one exactly the same on the same thing? Mm-hmm. Take everything, all the facts away from it. That was the whole argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've probably seen that and gone, yeah, let's not do that again. Well, I think it's interesting that like when it comes to Inner Sydney, they made sure they got a new fucking stadium. And the SCG, anytime they want an upgrade, they get a fucking upgrade. But mm-hmm. as soon as it starts moving out west in Sydney, it's like, oh, do, do you really need one? Do you really need one? Fuck all of them. See, Penrith needs to rename itself West mm. Bondi. West Bondi, yeah. You start getting upgrades everywhere. You know, you know what the change of government means? Just means that ICAC has to tap different phones. <laughs> so it fucking means they're all the same. Oh, if they're smart, they'll get them to just hand the phones over to the new leaders. <laughs> just keep the same phone; it'll be fine. Trust me. It's easier. You know, all the people who you need to talk to, all their numbers are already saved in there. It's all. It's easy. You'll be fine. <laughs> and just give us your personal one. <laughs> we'll look after that for you. We'll put it in a very safe spot. Or your secret boyfriend's on. But anyway. Yeah, that's right. You know anyone in Wagga? Well, you know, that's the political wrap out of the way. Yeah. Um, Back to football talk, because we were a rugby league podcast at one point. Before we went into the political side of things. We're like the new, uh, what's it called? What's that show that's on the ABC where they they get an audience in and they just... Oh, Q&A. Q&A. We're the new Q&A. We're the new Q&A, except we're not expecting anyone to give us those. We're not, we, we just do the Q&A ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> um, we don't care what everyone else thinks, kind of like the ABC. But anyway, um, Penrith, <laughs> what do you reckon's going on there? Because they, they're obviously got a problem at Hooker um, and Sonny Luke, it, it's weird because there's been a lot of talk about oh, he's going to step in and, and be their new hooker for the most part. But Ivan Cleary obviously isn't committed to, you know, him being the hooker. 
keeps on going like in different directions. I mean, like, and then he gets the head knock, so he's not able to play for 11 days. Um, I think Penrith really need to look at their hooker options because Mitch Kenny isn't it. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think they need a world-class hooker either. They just no. need someone who's got a little bit of spark about them. That's why Sonny Luke would have been perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You don't need a top-of-the-line guy. You just need someone who, um, you know, who, who can get through a little bit of creativity but just keep the forwards rolling forward. Mm. And Mitch Kenny is he's a stopgap hooker. I don't think he's a, his original position was to be a hooker. Mm. I get the feeling he was kind of more geared up to be like a back rower or back something roll, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he basically does what Dean Hallitow did as a hooker. Yeah. He makes a lot of tackles and he just throws the ball off the deck to whoever's asking for it. Mm-hmm. And so there's not much of in the way of leading the forwards and getting them moving forward. And so I think that's the one thing that's hurting their um, attack at the moment is they're not getting that roll on in attack. When they... When the Panthers are actually moving forward in the middle of the field, it's largely because Yo has straightened the the um, the attack mm-hmm. just by stepping off his foot and then hitting two weak shoulders. I see him an awful lot in the last few weeks. He's getting he's getting through the line, and he's getting so much better every single year at finding weak shoulders and running at them. Mm. It's amazing how he keeps improving his game all the time. Uh, and his offloads just keep getting better and better every year. Not that they've ever been bad, mm. but they're now getting he's, – he's able to hold them up. It's like he's got so much time now. Holds him up, looking for someone to come along. He's, like, there for a week. Oh, here's someone. <laughs> um, he's he's remarkable. Um, so a lot of the go-forward is coming through his work through the middle, um, which is not helpful. Like it's it's great that he can do that, but you can't be expecting him to do that on every set of six, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I don't know how else you can fix it because Kenny is very solid in defence, so he's not not someone that you need to get rid of either. Um, but he just doesn't have that spark in the middle. I don't know. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know if there's anyone else at the club other than Luke who you can get in there, and. You know, maybe they've got to go and find someone from another club who they can get as a stopgap one. Um, like yeah, Corey, Corey Pakes from the Broncos. Look, the, the was... thing it's a, it's a really easy job because it's like you're playing behind a dominant forward pack. Yeah, and you've you got, got to arms. You just got to keep them moving forward. Yeah, and some of the simple little things that you know a lot of the good halfbacks in the past have done, like Cameron Smith, um, Damian Cook. Um, Isaac Luke, Robbie Farah. A lot of the times when they needed to get their forwards moving is they'd pick the ball up and they'd scoop from dummy half and then they, as soon as they're getting close to the defensive line, they then dish it to a forward because the defensive line has either stopped or they've started to retreat because they think that the dummy half's taken the run. Mm. And then your forwards go through and they're making a lot more post-contact metres than they normally would. That's a simple little thing that they do. Um both the Braley's do it as well. Um, Harry Grant does it really well. And that's that's kind of what they need. And what they've got with Kenny at the moment is play the ball, he passes it straight away. So yeah. the defence isn't looking at him because they know he's going to pass nearly every single time. The only time they know to stay around him is when they get close to the line. 
because mm-hmm. he does have good leg drive and he does get down pretty low. So he's a good chance of barging over pretty low to the pretty low to the ground, close to the line. Um, but other than that, in general play, he's not going to run the ball. And zero kicking game. You, like, you will never That's have right. to worry about him kicking out a dummy half either. Yeah. So they, they just need someone who does the sheer basics there. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Um, not asking for much. They don't need someone expensive. Just, you know, someone a little bit better than Moses and Bai. They'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Moses and Bai would be a disaster. Um, <laughs> but no first grade club would have him as a hooker. Um, the... Not yeah. a sane one. No, no. The weird thing for me is that there are a few players, and I understand you don't want to change winning things. You don't want to change winning habits. You don't want to change winning sides. There are a few players in the Panthers side, and Mitch Kenny's one of them, where it's like I worry there's a, a little bit too much faith put in them. And when you when you see players that are obviously not elite players, and they just keep getting selected and they're an issue with your performance. Um, it, that's when you stagnate and you start going backwards. And I think that's what we've seen a little bit at Penrith. You know, I I don't understand why we keep selecting Jamin Salmon. Um, I understand that he's, pre- he's a pretty handy player if he's like your 26th player in your squad and you've had injuries and you bring him in and it's like, oh, he does a job, you know. But I don't think if he's one of your top 18 players, that worries me, you know. And I think we're seeing that a little bit out of Penrith. Now, obviously, their depth has been hit by the salary cap. That's what it's there for, and that's fine. But I think that him and Kenny are two players that I look at, and I'm like, if these are the first-choice players in our first-choice 17, that's a concern. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe Tyrone Peachy could be used to, to solve an issue here. Well, he's he's been brought in this week, um, and we'll see what happens. Like, I I, I don't see him as a hooker. I no, no, no. As a backup hooker off the bench either, like especially full I'm, time. But he might be able to do something. He's got to give you more variety than Mitch Kenny is anyway. If I could be Tim Sheens for a minute, yeah. <laughs> How's this for an idea? Okay, Luai to hooker, Peachy to five eight. Well, I tell you what, Luai would be an incredible hooker. Um, I think we saw, we actually in the World Cup saw him at one point. He's playing both hooker and halfback. He, he was playing, yeah, in the same game at the same time. It was yeah. crazy. And he, he's, he would be a really good hooker. Um, but the, the, I guess the problem is that can't be a full-time solution, is it? I mean, he's... Oh, shit, no. They've moved Luai close to the middle of the field, which needed to happen, and he's playing much better since oh, yeah. that he's has a happened. A lot straighter too. Yeah. And he's like, he terrifies teams when he gets the ball in the middle of the field because he's so fucking good, you know. Yeah, he does that little thing too where he can just dawdle up to the line and just spring off a, side, off a foot, either mm-hmm. one, and mm-hmm. just get outside his, his uh, defender in front of him. Yeah. Ridiculously how good he can do that. Yeah. I wonder if... I've never thought about this before, but just now, I mean, you could probably, you could probably switch Cleary and Luai. I wonder how that would work. I don't think it'd make much difference. You reckon? Yeah. Because Cleary plays like dead set in the middle of the field. 
But Luai doesn't go over to the right very often at all. That's the thing. That's always Cleary and usually Isaiah Yo when they go to the right on in attack. Yeah, there's a, sometimes you find halves, like right-handed halves, and they're really poor at throwing passes left to right, mm. but they're really good throwing right to left. Mm. Um, I think Luai's one of them. It's, it's not a... Uh, it's not a huge criticism. Nearly every single right-handed um, half has that sort of an issue. Like, they can throw these massive... Like Nico Hines is a good example. Could throw these massive passes, you know, right to left. And they're torpedoes and they're perfect. And they hit their mark exactly where they need to. Mm. Try and get them to do exactly the same pass the other way. Mm, they could probably do it, but it won't be as great or as consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, the only person I've ever seen who could pass perfectly long both ways is Ricky Stewart. Yeah, Ricky Stewart. I, Andrew Johns was pretty good at it, but Ricky Stewart was definitely the OG of that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Fucking missiles that just landed on the spot every time. The mm-hmm. guy was a freak of a half. Um, yeah, Luai's passing game is, is very good. But I think the reason why he doesn't venture over to the right-hand side too much is I don't think he's confident enough in his passing game uh, left to right. Mm-hmm. He's more comfortable going right to left. So See, the thing, on the left side. The thing that worries me about the Luai situation at Penrith is it's not Luai's skill set, it, and it's it's what he has to work with around him. Like mm. they, you look at the how complex, like even the Broncos' attacking structure, and the Broncos are playing great this season. It's really good to see. But the Broncos' attacking structure out wide is more varied than that of Penrith, and it shouldn't be that way. No, that's right. Um, see, I, I don't know. There's, there's not a plethora of great hookers out there. Mm. I'm surprised, though, that Penrith didn't really make a play to try and find someone to replace Coruscant. See, I, I get that they, they thought we've got Sonny Luke and we've got Mitch Kenny, and that's a pretty good first-grade rotation, and then after that you go into your, your lower grades. I get that. But if the idea was that Mitch Kenny was going to be the number one hooker at Penrith, that was never going to be good enough, and anybody could have told you that. Yeah, it doesn't work with the, the system and the styles that they had in place. No, and he, his skill set, which is very limited. Yeah, in attack, absolutely. Mm. It shows too, though, I think in Cleary's mind that they're a team that works off the back of their defence. And their defence hasn't been bad. No, their defence has got the job done this year. Yeah. Like, you can't you can't be upset at that. It It's their attack. It's their attack. And, it's it's making the metres early in the set. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, too, some of, their, um, some of their last tackle options have been a bit pedestrian. Cleary's kicking game has been average. Mm. And that's for probably the best kicker in the game. Yeah. That's not good enough. So no. there's too I'm, many of there's too many of those bombs that are just bog standard bombs. And you know we we heard about you know when he had time off at the end of last year and he was working on all this shit. We'll put it into play. Otherwise, none of it really fucking matters. Yeah, he's he's not shown a great deal of variety yet. Mm. Um, speaking of. This goes to the next point. I saw the NRL come out with was it the NRL came out with a tweet saying, "Was Cleary's field goal the greatest clutch play of all time?" I I think it was Fox Sports. Fox Sports. There you go. Yeah, and <clears throat> look, it was 
really fucking good. But can we please shut the fuck up, Fox Sports? <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't start with breaking news, hey? Breaking news. Breaking the greatest news. Fox play of all time. Yeah. So dumb. Yeah. I I would say the greatest clutch play of all time was Ricky Stewart's dummy in the 1990 Ashes series. That would definitely be one of them. I I think the uh, the going blindside by Andrew Johnson in the 97 Grand Final. Nah, that's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. Um, about a, half a dozen to a dozen Jonathan Thurston plays in... Darren Locker as well in Origin games and fucking grand finals and shit. About a dozen sideline kicks by Halligan and El Masri. Yep, yep. (laughs) Um, Poor Carriage. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Parramatta fans. How you doing? Yeah, there's there's a few just off the top of our heads we've thought about there. Yeah, not really tried too hard there. No, no. Um, I don't know. Bob McCarthy's intercept in the um, grand final in the was it sixty six or something sixty seven. There you go. That's that's one. Um, yeah, you can you can keep going. There's quite a few that happened in really important games that decided games. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. Really important games, not fucking what round three, round yeah. four. Like, yeah, Henry remembers the great plays of round threes in the past. I know. Maybe that's what we should do: a top ten greatest plays in round three. <laughs> the other thing is too, like it was in a game where the game was won with a field goal in Golden Point. Mm. Yeah, I I didn't understand it. Once again, some weird shit is written about rugby league. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, now that, now that the games are pretty close, all of the media types are kind of coming out saying, oh, basically, mm. you know, the the essence of what they're saying is, oh, I bet everyone's got eggs on their faces now because the competition's really close and all those people who criticise the PVL they should be bound down thanking him and going, mm, he still made a mess of the game. Yeah, yeah. Clubs have just adapted. It took two years, but they finally adapted to it. That's all that's happened. This I is not PVL at work. Another weird one that I saw today, and it was from the NRL, and it had a picture of Nathan Cleary and uh, the dude at, at uh, Nico Hines, and it's and it said, um, "Which one is the best halfback?" And it's like, look, I really like Nico Hines. <laughs> I said it should have been what they test you on when you're going for a HIA, you know. <laughs> Because it reminded me of that brain damage test uh, picture I made with the two whole uh, logos many years ago. But, yeah, it's like Nico Hines is really good. He's Dalian player of the year last year. But Comfortably. On. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, come on now. <laughs> um, two very different players, too. I mean, come on. Yeah, at, at fucking different points of their career. Like, Nico Hines has been playing full-time halfback for now. It's a little over a year. It's like a year and three weeks. Yeah, that's basically it. And Cleary's been doing it since he was two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, one one is, like, really only been a, a full-time first grader for a year. Like, first choice first grader. And the other one is a two-time premiership winner and World Cup winner. Like, let's just pump the brakes. Just a little. Just, yeah. just 
let's just steady up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. It's all right. Nico <laughs> Hines, great player, but let's just chill, man. <laughs> so I take it the, the question next week is who's the better halfback, Luke Brooks or Nathan Cleary? <laughs> <laughs> if they put that one up, like whoever's running the NRLs. I'm voting so Brooks. <laughs> I'm going Brooks 100%. 100%. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, our, our favourite rugby NRL administrator, Graham Annesley, mm-hmm. this is going back to what we are talking about before with the closeness of the competition. Yes. He's got, he's got a few quotes here. <laughs> and I'll read them out because it goes completely against what he said two years ago. Okay. With the, the close games, it's terrific for fan engagement. Of course, when you see a buyout, there'll generally be a bit of a drop-off in engagement, either at the venue or on television. What this, the close scores does, is keeps fans engaged until full-time. We want fans to go to games knowing their side is going to be competitive. A, unless you follow the West Tigers. B, he was arguing back in 2021 that the NRL was at its best ever, even though games were being decided by 30 points. At half time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden he's going, oh, but it's so close now. It's great. And you're going, fucking pick a, pick a side, buddy. How about the other thing is too, like, as, like, you just don't change the rules for one year. Okay. And the competition gets closer. Stop changing the fucking rules. Yeah. It's, it's as simple as that. Mm. And the, the rule changes of the last few years have been rule changes for the sake of rule changes. Yeah, like the two-point field goal rule. Yeah. Just nonsense. Yeah. Utter nonsense. And um, by the way, that six-again rule is still fucking teams up. Like, yeah. They've changed so- it so it's a little bit more smarter, but still not better. Yeah. So if, if you get a infringement in your own half, then you will get a penalty so you can get out of your own half. If you get the infringement while well, you've got the ball in the opposition half, you get a set restart. Mm. So the, yeah, it, it's, it is still weird. Like I'm still seeing teams where they've played pretty well defensively, but if you're forced to like defend for 12 tackles in your half of the field, I'm not shocked when the opposition scores, they should fucking score. You know? Yeah. Um, and and so it's still screwing teams over. Yeah, uh, it's, and the referee. I mean, the referee in this year. I I I don't normally like bagging referees because they've got a difficult job. They make mistakes just like the players. Way less mistakes than the players, I'll say. But some of the refereeing this year has been fucking terrible. Oh yeah, that there was a try last week that was disallowed for Manly. I think it was. Mm. Um, not a single. Passing it was wrong, and yet they ruled one of the passes was forward. Mm. I go, why is it that they make this rule that the bunker can bunker can rule on everything leading up to the try except for the passes? Why why put that parameter on there? I don't get it. I do. If the rule is because the referee on the ground needs to make that call, I go, mm. well, if that's the case, why isn't the referee on the ground's calls for everything else along the way included <laughs> as well? Why are we just letting one thing pass but not the rest of it? Yeah. You know, you know what's really weird is when you watch a game and you hear the touch judge screaming forward, <laughs> forward, forward, and the referee just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he just ignores it. Yeah. 
it's very strange. <laughs> We've seen so many passes out of dummy half that are forward. And, like, I've seen a couple of forward passes this year that were so far forward it should have been a penalty for deliberate forward pass. And they've been let go. They've never, never in a long time issued penalties for deliberate forward passes. Yeah, Every pass that goes forward, especially ones that go to a player who gets into space, mm. is deliberately thrown. Mm. Of course it is. Mm. How can What's, it not be? It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's the same thing as like playing at the ball, where it, like if, you, if a ball is kicked into you, and you didn't play at it, then it's your your ball still, right? Yeah. But if you run 10 metres and fly with your back at the ball in the air, they <laughs> say you didn't play it. It's like, wait a minute, technically, we're every, technically there's 26 players on the field playing the fucking ball. You know? <laughs> Maybe not David Norfoluma, but you get it. Yeah, exactly. It's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. Um. Yeah, there's there's some dumb interpretations of the rules out there. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Oh boy, hey, just on David Nofaluma, how much do you reckon Australian Rugby Union would pay for him? Oh, probably a meal, definitely a meal. <laughs> he, you know what? It wouldn't be the worst thing for him if he decided to do that. Hey, I reckon he'd get a good pay packet out of them. I absolutely would. He needed to do it when he left the storm, though. About eight years before then. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking, <laughs> the more you get to watch him play, the worse it is. That's the problem. That's, that's the thing. Most people don't get to see how well he, how he plays because most of the time the Tigers are that poor, the ball doesn't get to him. Yeah, you don't see him in September. That's no. one thing. But you do see him defensively yeah. making shit reads and people scoring tries past him. <laughs> um. There's two other things we're going to talk about, which was um, there was talk during the week that Parramatta was to- talking about telling Gutherson that they were looking for a new fullback. I didn't see that. Wow. I heard about it. Mm-hmm. It sounded like bullshit. Yeah, it sounds like bullshit. You can't pay that much money for him and then move him. No, that's right. Especially when you've paid – well, they haven't got Mitchell Moses signed yet. I can't wait until he signs for West Tigers. But – they're going to sign Mitch Moses. They've got Brown locked down and they've got Gutherson locked down because any time you commit to three guys that haven't ever won anything ever in their entire careers, you've got Lock to do them it. in. Yeah. But, um, and yeah, you know that Brad Arthur's getting a contract extension when they haven't won a game yet. <laughs> <laughs> but they get that win on the board. They've, they've got one against Penrith now. One more win. Yeah. He's getting a three-year extension. Mate, if they win every game up until round six, they're 50-50. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's – I can't imagine. Like, where are they going to play him? Uh, I, I wonder if the plan is that they go, you know what, let's let Moses go. We'll move Dylan Brown to halfback and Gutho can go to 5-8. You reckon and it's a preemptive thing? It could be. Mm. And that would be the only reason why they'd need a fullback. How much would you pay Mitch Moses? 800k? Yeah, I, that's what I was thinking too. That's the yeah. seal, That's the absolute ceiling. Yeah, he's not consistent enough for me to be warranting a million dollars. No, no. He's going to be yeah. asking for it and he'll probably get it, but 
I mean, if Luke Brooks can get it. <laughs> I don't think, though, if Luke Brooks went on the market, he'd be getting offers above 750. Yeah, who would sign Luke Brooks at this point? I I don't even think you'd get the Dolphins looking at him, hey? Oh, God, no. They've got better young halves. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, like Luke, I just think the Luke Brooks thing's it's over. Yeah. He needs to have a look at Batley. <laughs> I've heard they've got good fish and chip shops in Batley. He could go to Wales and be the greatest rugby league player ever. Stay there for four or five years and you can become a Welsh representative. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good for Wales to have a one decent rugby league player. Huh? <laughs> decent. Um, <laughs> do a bit of heavy lifting. <laughs> now, the other player who might be on the market is Jack Whiten. This was a funny one. I would love the people that talk up Jack Whiten to actually watch the fucking cunt play, okay? Because he hasn't been good for a long time now. He's been inconsistent to disappearing completely. I I never got the move to 5-8 for him. I don't think it was ever a good idea. Um, and... He's now 30 years old. You can't move him back. It's it's where you're going to put him. Yeah. The 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 move to five eighth has wasted the best part of his last three years. Um, when he should have been at his peak as a centre or a fullback, and they've, yeah, they've ruined it. It's not even his fault. You know, you can't you can't transition to being a five eighth just overnight when you're in your mid to late twenties. Yeah. It's too late by then. You make that move when you're younger and you can learn all the skills and stuff you need to do. He's, it's too late now. They've, it's, I don't know. I like Jack White as a player, but I don't like him as a 5'8". I just feel he's just a wasted entity now. I th- I feel like he'd, he's a, a, he'd be pretty good as a centre, but he's not going to go anywhere to be a centre. You know, He's going to want huge money. Yeah. And I just wonder, you know what, he feels... You know what he feels like? He feels like a, a fucking really hard Dragons player. Like a where we, we've got problems because all of the players we're signing don't want to be here. <laughs> and we need to make a splash. And so let's get Jack White and then we'll, we'll get him and we'll play him like outside of Hunt, I guess. And I... Like, I get that he wants to test the market, and I get that he probably is at a point where he feels like he's he's done everything he can in Canberra. Like, he's been there for a long time now. But I just don't see where he ends up, where it's a better situation for him. And I, I think that he'd be a bad signing for most clubs. Yeah, unless he goes to, you know, work in the back line somewhere. That's the only way he's going to work. Um but yeah, I don't think too many clubs are going to take him on for that. Tigers no. probably will. Imagine what if the the West Coast <laughs> halves end up being him and <laughs> Moses on like combined like three point eight million bucks a year. Would you like yeah. that? And then they sign Pierce to be your hooker. <laughs> <laughs> and then keep Shit. and then still keep Brooks. Yeah, and Brooks is somehow still being selected. He's on the bench. He's getting seventy minutes a week off the bench. <laughs> We're moving Brooks to lock. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Um, now, there was another article I saw, which I found curious. Mm-hmm. And it was about 
um, the Dragons. It was by Gordon Tallis. Mm-hmm. His quote was, how many coaches do the Dragons have to have before the blame gets put on the players? That's the new graveyard for coaches. And I yeah. thought, I've never heard anyone make that argument about the West Tigers, and they've had more coaches. <laughs> That's a good point. The, all of this stuff about Hook being... Like, I mean, the media lined him up as a dead man walking before the season. And that's a media thing because yeah. I'm watching I'm watching what he is working with as a coach and I'm utterly stunned at the performance he gets out of this shit team. Like, they're, they're a real – like, they're a, a tiny little – you know what? They're Ben Hunt above, like, the Bulldogs and the Newcastle sides we've seen in recent years. Like you take Ben Hunt out of there, they're the exact same teams. Yep. Um, and so when I, I just am shocked at, that he gets so much out of these players, and if the players don't like him, I don't care because they're shit. Um, ben, ben Hunt and Griffin are the only positives at that club. Everything else is a negative, and so to be blaming either of them for the situation the Dragons are in right now is fucking insane. I can't think of a player who has single-handedly carried a team as much as Ben Hunt has with this Dragon side. Yeah. And I know I've followed the West Tigers, but they had both Farah and Benji there. Mm-hmm. And those two combined carried that team. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't any great heights. I mean, they've got a, a premiership and two other finals appearances out of what a decade together or so. Mm. Um, ben Hunt on his own. He's, make, he's given this club at least three quarters of their wins every the every year. If he wasn't there, they'd have picked up a few wooden spoons by now, in my opinion. One hundred percent. They are a rabble, an and like, absolute rabble. Who's their second best player? I reckon it's McNuggets. <laughs> is he even there anymore? Yeah, he's still there. He was saying this. He was saying uh, this week that he when. Because you know how they did that player swap where they got a couple of juniors from the Manly Seagulls and they yeah. got the Manly Seagulls, the um, Peter Russell Clark. What a move. I know. That's a, that's a fucking Seabold move <laughs> if there ever was one. Oh, wow. Wow. How, yeah. That's why you keep Hook. Yeah, yeah. He, but, he pulled that off. Like That is the biggest – that's like a, a, a troll move. You, go, you know what? I'm going to see if I can get rid of Aaron Woods, but in return, get two upgraded young players. Who do I go? I'll go to Manly first. Surely they won't do this. Hey, Steve, do you want Aaron Woods? I'll just take two of you. Yeah, sure, no worries, mate. Well, fuck, that was easy. That, that's like you're on the phone to Manly, right? And you've got these two youngsters. You just want to get any young talent in your team because they've got none. And you're on the phone and you say, hang on a second, and you press mute and someone in the room says, Say fucking Aaron Woods and see what they say. Yeah, low ball, low ball. <laughs> we'll start with Woods and we'll work up from there. They must have driven the fucking car from Wollongong to Manly with Aaron Woods in the back because, like, getting off his contract, first of all, it's genius. But what the fuck do Man- what the Manly think they're getting? I don't know. Why would you give up two rookies? One rookie, you go, you know what? That might be okay. But two? And, and they're like, just the contract difference. There's no way these two young blokes are on the same amount of money combined that Aaron Woods is. Oh, no. Combined, they're on probably 250 grand. 
Yeah. So to be on double that, triple that. Yeah, and <laughs> he's not twice as good. <laughs> nor does like he this... have nor does he have the long future that they've got ahead of him. No, nor does he bruise anyone. <laughs> he hasn't bruised anyone ever. Oh, it's it's oh man. I, I, I couldn't believe a, it. I was that's, like, that's, that's a so, remarkable deal. It really is. Anyway, so. <laughs> So they got these two Manly Juniors, and apparently one of these Manly Juniors doesn't want to go to the to the Dragons. Don't blame and, us. And so McNuggets, yeah, like means he's smart. So McNuggets is up in front of the media, and he's like, "Yeah, I know how he feels. I didn't want to come here when I first come here either. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't a good look." <laughs> and to be fair, he's played pretty damn well for them. You know, he has been pretty good. Yeah, but it's like I, I feel like he's their second best player. <laughs> I really do, and I know people talk about Zach Lomax. I watch Zach Lomax, and I'm like, I don't see it. Three years ago, Zach Lomax, absolutely, but now he's, he's got he's got David North Faluma about him. He's ever like ever since the barbecue. I'm? Yeah, I'm Zach Lomax. Ever since the barbecue, he's been woeful. Mm. He should be doing a lot better than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I had huge raps on him. I would have loved for him to go to the West Tigers before the barbecue. Mm-hmm. And the, that was when the Tigers were in talks with him. Um, man, he's been just coasting ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, that, that's a, that's a win for, for Hook. 100%. He's only got about 15 others to sort out like that. And he'll be fine. <laughs> Give him another got a, two years, he'll have a great roster there. You got a two for one. The other thing is too, who are they going to replace him with? And you know they'll that fucking they will go for Nathan Brown because they're idiots. Yeah, look, they've got to go for someone who's come from from the Dragons area, surely. That's the sort hey. of dumb shit they would do, eh? Trent Barrett's free. <laughs> oh, don't do that to them. <laughs> don't do that to them. He's free. He's got experience too. You know when you you're watching a football game and they show the coach and you see someone next to the coach and you're like, oh fuck, this isn't going to end well. Trent Barrett's one. Where's like he at now? He's at uh, he's at Parramatta. <laughs> <laughs> it's going well. <laughs> and then we've got uh, up in Newcastle. They've got uh, what's that Pommy bloke's name? He, he fucking is a terrible coach. Not I think Chris, not a Christian Wolf. No, no, no. Christian Wolf is at the, is the uh, Dolphins. That's right. All right. Oh, what's his name? Damn it, McDermott. Really? Yeah, he's at he's he's the assistant. Co- well, he's one of the assistant coaches at uh, at the Newcastle Knights. And every time I see that, I'm like, this guy doesn't know how to fucking coach football team. This Too guy. This guy was terrible at coaching fucking, like, one of the three teams that win titles over in fucking England. i tell you what, though. He's a fucking good negotiator. Why is that? He's managed to get a job in the NRL. <laughs> <laughs> I want that bloke on my side whenever I've got to negotiate something. He gets results, man. And then we've got up in Brisbane, we've got fucking Warrington's Mr. Field Goal, Mr. Not even disrespectful field goal. Just like, what the fuck is this idiot doing field goal? <laughs> Random. 
yeah, random field goal, he's up there in Brisbane. And every time I see those three in the coach's box, I'm like, yeah, this ain't ending well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not great. It's mm. not great. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all the news. I don't know if there was anything else to, to throw in there. Yeah, nothing jumped out at me. It's been a, a pretty pretty good season so far. Um, you know, it has been close if you don't take the West Tigers, like you cut them out of the competition, everything else has been close. I've been really impressed with the Dolphins and what they've done. Um, I've loved watching the Broncos this year. That's been fantastic. Haven't watched much of the Warriors at all because uh, I, I enjoy watching football. Um, but, yeah, it, the, you know, the one team that's concerning me a little bit outside of Penrith is the Cowboys. I watch their games and they seem to do a lot of things right and yet they lose games and I don't know what it is. I think their consistency in defense, I think that's what it is. Mm. Um, I'll tell you what, the, the one team though that looks really good at the moment is South. Yeah. yeah I really I like the way they're doing things at the moment. Um, they look strong, man. Yeah, Ilias has gone to a new level, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, and Latrell. I mean, there was a thing at the end of that game last week where his smarts have really picked up because mm-hmm. they threw the ball back to him, like way back to him to have a shot at field goal. But the pass was atrocious and it bounced to him. And I think Latrell in the past would have tried to run himself or still had a crack at the field goal. Mm-hmm. But this time, the first thing he did is he sent the ball left because it was still early in the set. He threw it left and changed where he was standing to make it look like he was going to get the next shot of field goal, mm-hmm. knowing full well that he wasn't. So mm-hmm. the defense come rushing up to him. A player, what was it, two plays later? They came rushing up to him, and he didn't get the ball. It went straight to Elias unmarked, and he nailed that. Man, he kicked that sweeter oh, than any field goal I've ever seen. Beautiful. It was just like if somebody said to a player, you can make the ball go anywhere with the magic fucking hand of God. It would have been exactly where he put it, just like straight between the posts, right? And high, man. He hit it so sweet. Mm. Um, it was perfect. And I just went, that was that was smart Latrell. Mm-hmm. In the past, we would have seen Latrell run it and try something himself. And fair enough, too. The bloke's a freak. He, he, could, he probably could do shit that would, that would win a game. Yeah. But he's playing more within the team, a lot smarter. And it straight away immediately brought a result in the team's favour, mm-hmm. um, and I, it's just another another notch to his game that makes him even more dangerous. Um, yeah, he's he's fucking brilliant, man. Yeah, he's when you get to that level where you use yourself, like Billy Slater, become a master at that. Where yeah. it was like everyone freaked the fuck out when Billy Slater was, and he didn't have to touch the ball, you know. Um, and the thing, I think Latrell Mitchell is the only player in the NRL, and and it's not to say that there aren't other great players in the NRL, but he, because there's a lot of great players in the NRL, but he's the only player that if he is on, and he's in the mood, it nothing matters. No, it and you won't stop him. Yeah, it's he's going to do, he's, and it's like running the ball, passing the ball, which is incredible, um, using his size, using his speed. 
Like it's just over if he's in that mood. And I think that's the thing for South that if they get to the games at the end of the year, and I'm not really worried about them right now and what they're doing right now, because they're a finals team. We know that. Yeah. But if they get to the finals and Latrell Mitchell is in the mood, they will win the grand final because no one's no one can stop that. No, God no. The one thing that annoys me is how the mainstream media in the last few years have tried to create some sort of narrative about him being an asshole or something like that. Mm, mm. And we should be celebrating him every fucking time he plays because he's just he's divine to watch, man. I fucking love watching Latrell play. Same here. I, I watch him at the moment. I'm watching him like I used to watch Greg Ingl- Inglis, where it's yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm getting to see this. Every week. This mm. is amazing. Yeah. He, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, so, you know, I hope enough people hear that. <laughs> Get some Latrell love going. Because yeah. uh, he's fucking brilliant. Yeah, he really is. He, he's... Damn, he's a good player. It, it shows you, like... And he gets lined up against Inglis because they're both you and I think Latrell might actually be bigger than Greg Inglis, which is crazy to think about. But um, they, you know they're both guys that started at centre. They're both big, strong. They're skillful, and then they move to fullback for South Sydney. So they both going to get lined up against each other. Um, and I it, like Greg Inglis was obviously is obviously the better player, but we're talking about one of the greatest players of all time in Greg Inglis. This is right. You know. And let's, have a, let's have a look here. Let's see. Inglis, six foot five. Latrell, <laughs> six foot four. There's only two centimetres between them. Wow. And Inglis was three kilos heavier. There you go. Wow. 105 to 102. Bigger. They're almost there. It, it's an inch and, and, you know, two kilos. It's They're basically the same. That's insane. And I, I tell you what, uh, because I remember the first time I saw Latrell Mitchell in person, and I was like, "That's that's outrageous." You've got no idea how big he is, you know. Greg Inglis was bigger. Holy fuck! I mean, a one hundred and two kilo fucking fullback. The you other thing, <laughs> the other thing is too. Greg Inglis, like Latrell, um, carries a little bit of weight, and that's fine. I think he's carrying a bit of weight because I I would have a feeling that. He he was carrying a little bit of an injury a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's it stopped his training because he came to this season looking like really fit. Uh, Greg Inglis was just I think uh, he carried a bit more muscle on him. Yeah, and remember he had those um, he had a very late growth spurt too. Yeah, like it, it it kept him from playing regularly for the Storm in those first few years. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's um, they're big humans, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Greg Inglis was bigger. <laughs> Greg Inglis is it would be in my top ten of players. I wish I could keep watching forever. Like it would be him. He'd be in there. Um, Matt Bowen would be in there. Benji Marshall would be in there. You know, probably Darren Lockie would be in there. Just players that you wish you could just watch forever. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll put it into perspective for you, okay? Mm-hmm. Greg Inglis, same height when, you know, when they're both in their prime playing footy as Paul Sirenen. 
know, anyone who saw Paul Surin play, he fucking towered over everyone. That's crazy. Yeah, that's how tall Ingles is. Well, how, how, how tall? Because okay, so he's six foot five. So what was Guy? Was Guy six six? Because Guy I was. No, I thought he was shorter than Ciro. I thought he was only a little bit shorter. Let me check. Because Guy was another one of those plays in the early nineties where it was like. No, Guy was, was the same height, six five. Okay, because there was like him and Siren and. Well, you knew you were looking at that something different. You were looking at something new. It's like when Willie Mason come along. Oh, yeah. Even when he was a junior player, you're like, this is something different here. Um, who's another one? And Ian, by the Rob- end of- Ian Roberts was actually a centimetre taller than both of them. Really? That's yeah, 196. Surprising. He was slighter, though, hey? Yeah, fuck me, man. He he hurt people when he hit him. Yeah. But uh, they all dwarfed by Garrick Morgan. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it! <laughs> oh shit! All I Gary. remember, man, I had I had a footy card with Garrick Morgan on there. He was two hundred centimeters and one hundred thirty kilos. <laughs> like, what the fuck's he doing playing league? He didn't oh, play man. it for long. No, he didn't. <laughs> the thing is, though, like you think about Willie Mason when he first came into the league, he was very tall compared to everyone, and by the time he left he didn't stand out the same way. Like, everyone else had gotten bigger. Yeah. He was like, also um, a metre 96, so he was the same height as Ian Roberts and taller than those other guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, big, big human. Yeah. And, yeah, sort of raw bone and rangy uh, at the start of his career like Ian Roberts. Mm-hmm. Just punishing to try and tackle and punishing to, you know, try and t- to have tackled you. Just everything he did just fucking hurt. And he yeah. liked it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting with players that size where a lot of them, and it's just, you know, just growing older, they end up filling out and they become forwards. Whereas every so often, like, I don't think Mark Geyer ever really did that. He kind of kept the same. So i tell you another player that was like that was, uh, Oh, now I'm forgetting his name immediately. Played alongside Guy in the back row for Penrith in the early 90s. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Cartwright? Cartwright, yeah. He was the same sort of like just giant human being and you yeah. knew that this was a, a different thing because like to keep in mind, it's they went. you go from the five-meter rule where everyone's sort of a, a stockier sort of forward where all and then you go to the ten meter rule and all of a sudden you've got these big athletes, these really tall athletes that were not just tall but they had good footwork and like we were really blessed when you think about it. Oh, absolutely. Like that, those guys all come through at the same time and and they would fit into any era. Yeah. Um, it's like a norm proven sort of thing, you know. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, is. Man, the eighties and nineties though absolutely blessed when it comes to forwards. Yeah, and back rowers especially. Yeah. Like in the space of how many years did we get like Gaia, Siren and, you know, Clyde. Yep. Players like that. Roberts, Pierce. Pierce, yep. Um did you also had Brad Mackay? Completely yeah, different was, player. Bob yeah. Lidner. Bobby Lidner, yeah. A lot of them is remarkable, remarkable. 
Um, should we wrap this one up? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials, on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, <laughs> Twitter. MySpace. MySpace, Instagram. <laughs> you know, I've done this all the time. You know how it goes. Mm. Yeah, save me from, you know, punishing myself or trying to remember it because I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out on all those socials. Make sure you like and subscribe. Um, and we'll catch you all next time.